Hey everyone, welcome to this week's sermon podcast of B Church. Here, you can listen to our latest weekly sermons for your spiritual growth. We believe that this message will really bless you. Perfect praise is not singing like your pastor. Say amen. He's got a beautiful voice. Say amen. Give God a hand clap for your pastor. Pastor Wilmer, come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Pastor Natasha. Amen. It's not just the notes you hit. Perfect praise is the ability to worship in spite of what you're going through. I need you to lean on somebody and say, I don't worship for what it looks like. I worship for who he is. Amen. Come on. Worship is the ability to see God in any situation, especially the opposite situation. Hebrews chapter 12 verse number 3 tells us that we must understand there's something called the law of contradiction. Some say contradiction. Let there be light. Say amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 12. Listen, we're just going to talk a little bit in flow. Is that all right? How many want to see a miracle tonight? I keep seeing limbs that are acting funny. Whether their feet or like feet. I see feet that God wants to strengthen somebody's feet because you're going to run like Elijah. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. I felt like I was in quicksand. But I see the hand of the Lord is about to pick you up and carry you in front of the chariots of Jezebel. In front of the chariots of Ahab. Say amen. Somebody say I'm going to run for Jesus. You got quiet. Somebody say I'm going to run for Jesus. How many, if God heals you, you'll run around for Jesus. I see healing coming to limbs. We're going to talk about that. Here is what Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. Ask your neighbor, say, are your eyes on Jesus? Come on, talk to them. It's, it's imperative that we get God's word in our mouth. Demons are afraid when we say what God says. Devils flee because the word of God is a sword in the mouth of the believer. When you speak the word of God, you are given power to create worlds. Hebrews 11.3 says, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So word, worlds are framed by words. Say amen. Any world you want to frame, you speak words to it and it will exist. Now when you put God's word in your mouth, you can frame the world after his image and likeness. Lean on somebody and say, in Jesus' name, I'm going to talk to my world. You need Bible. Let me give you Bible. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Say amen. And the earth became. The word was is the Hebrew word hayah. It became dark. It became void. And it became purposeless. And now there was chaos on the world around us. And God looked at the chaos. And the spirit moved on the waters. And then God said. Let there be. Come on Bible readers. Say let there be. And there was, so when God saw darkness, he started talking to it and telling it where it could go. Look at some and say, I'm about to tell the devil to go back to hell. Come on. Come on, lift your hands and say, I'm about to speak to my family and they're going to get saved. Ah, uh, don't you worry about your loved one who's on drugs. God's going to deliver them and they're going to preach the gospel. Don't you worry about the negative in your bank account. Declare life to your bank account. You can speak the word of God and frame a world. What made the worlds? The word. And when God's word gets in our mouth, demons begin to tremble. 
The only offensive weapon you have, Pastor Natasha, in the arsenal of Ephesians 6 is the Word of God. Salvation is a helmet. Ask anybody, say, neighbor, do you have your helmet on? You can't wonder if you're saved. You got to know you're saved. You got to be sure that I'm full of the Holy Ghost. See, see, when I'm a child, the Bible says that I write to children that they know their sins are forgiven. 1 John 2, 12. I write to you youth because you've overcome the wicked one. I write to you fathers because you've known him from the beginning. Look, she say, children need to know I'm saved. Saved on Sunday, but lost on Monday. Saved at the altar Wednesday night and frustrated Friday night. Look, she say, you got to put your helmet on. Amen. The helmet of salvation guards your mind that God is with you and he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Push your neighbor and say, I'm saved. Push your neighbor and say, I'm sanctified. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I am a child of God. I am the devil's worst nightmare. Not because I have power, but there's someone in me that's greater than he that is in the world. And if God is for you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you can prosper a thousand will fall at your left hand ten thousand but it can't come near you because you're saved and sanctified you have to know it the breastplate of righteousness protects your vital organs those that operate in 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 war or in military those that have understood you can take a hit in your arm and you're going to be all right you can take a hit in the foot and you just be without one toe. Say amen. I'll be all right. But there's two places you cannot be hit and survive. Your head and your chest. These are kill shots. These vital organs that your mind is protected by the knowledge of your salvation. But righteousness, say righteousness. Yes, it's purity, it's holiness. But it's also who you've been created to be. Somebody say be. Somebody say be. Ask your neighbor, say, who be you? It's not good English, but it's good theology. Say, who be you? Who be you? Be not conformed, but be transformed. Who are you on the inside? Who are you when the lights go out? Who are you at 2 o'clock in the morning? Who are you when you're at work? You see, there's a lot of us in here. Ask your neighbor, say, neighbor, how many of them are in there? How many of you are in there? Pastor Natasha, the, 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 the man who had legion on the inside of him, he said, my name is legion because there's many of us in here. And we got to work us. We got to school us. We got to home us. Then we got to church us. Get quiet. I know I'm talking to you. Praise the Lord. Say, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up five generations on one side and six on the other or five and four. Either way, we, we grew up under the pew. Say amen. And, and we had a persona we had to display. And it wasn't a fake persona, but it's who we wanted to be, but who we weren't always. All right. How many got corrected when you were younger? You got a belt, you got a spanking. I know that's, that's not so socially acceptable anymore. Amen. They want us to time out people, right? But when we grew up, we got spankings. We got the belt. We didn't get abused, but we got correction. Say amen. The Bible says that if you, if you refrain from the rod of correction, you bring a curse or you bring judgment on your children. One translation says beat 
hell out of your children. That I know you don't like that. That's all right. But Correction. <laughs> say amen. Is important for children. Say amen. So we would be getting corrected by mama. Say amen. And we begin whoop with whatever. I don't. I don't recommend you correcting your children angrily. Say amen. Never correct angrily. You sow that seed. My mom would correct and praise the Lord if she's watching. But I'm using her as an example. She's a new creation. She would use whatever she could find. A shoe, a belt, an inner tube. Some of you know. Go get the switch. We didn't have time for a switch. It just. But my dad would sit us down and tell us what we did wrong. Explain how much he loved us. He'd give us a couple of swats on the butt and then give us a hug. And this is godly correction. Say amen. And I bring up correction because sometimes we would be corrected and she'd be yelling and whooping and ah, and then the phone would ring. Hello. So wait a minute. You ever had some hello? So because there's multiple us, but ask your neighbor, say neighbor. Ask your neighbor, say neighbor, are you ready to be holy? So the word holy is the word hagios, and one root translation is one. Say one. Be one as I am one. So the person you are right now in this seat, God wants you to be at home. The person you are right now at the church, God wants you to be that at your job, at your school. You see, our children will love the house of God when we are at home with who we are in the pulpit. Come on. Our children will want the God we serve when we are at home who we are when we talk to our church friends. Getting quiet, but I'm talking to you. Somebody say, be one. Be one. And righteousness is positioning and purpose. I, I was reading the, the name and God kept saying, I heard it, and say formed. Somebody say formed to what? Function. Say formed. Formed is the word molded, shaped. And we must be shaped so that we can function. The word function is perform. And God wants to mold you so that you can bear fruit. Say amen. So righteousness has got to get in our being. It protects our vital organs. Somebody say truth. Somebody say truth. Truth is a belt that goes over your loins. Not quite. All right. Lean on somebody say in the name of Jesus. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. If I need authority over any passion, I just need truth. Truth is the mind of God revealed in your generation. Truth is higher than fact. Psalm says truth endures to all generations. When you tap into truth, facts have to bow. The fact is there's no cure for cancer. But the truth is by his stripes, you are. The fact is money is short. The fact is petroleum is higher than it's ever been. The fact is eggs and bread and all this stuff is going up. But look, Shabbat say, that's the fact. But the truth is, he will supply all of my need according to the riches of his glory. The fact is, uh, the world is getting darker. But the truth is uh, that the light of Jesus is going to shine. And that I'm going to rise and shine. And his glory is coming. See, when you tap in the truth, the facts have to bow. Are you listening? So truth has got to get in your inner man. Truth has to be something that gets in your loins. And the Bible says you've got to shod your feet with peace. Look at Shabbat and say, neighbor, in the name of Jesus, you're going to walk in peace. For us, peace is the absence of turmoil. 
But for the Hebrew, the word peace is the word shalom. It means whole. It means sound. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. See, there were 10 lepers and the Bible says nine of them were healed, but only one of them was made whole. 10 were healed. Say amen. But one was made whole. And the key to wholeness is your return to Jesus. See, some of us want to get healed so that uh, some of us want to get healed so we don't need to pray anymore. Some of us want to get blessed, pastor, so that so that we don't have to depend on Jesus anymore. Some of us are believing God for a husband and then we won't see you till next next Christmas. Praise the Lord. But God is looking for men and women who make them their source. That the more they give you, the more God gives you, the more you worship. That the more God gives you, the more you return. You see, the key to the leper being whole was he returned. Will you return after God meets your need? Will you keep coming to the house of God faithfully after God blesses you? Well, I'm sorry, pastor. I can't serve anymore. I don't need God anymore. You say, no, I would never do that. Well, this is what the children of Israel would do. They would get into trial and tribulation. They would call out to God and they would call and say, Lord, deliver me. And then God would deliver them. He'd say, but don't forget me. And the first thing they did, they forget God. And they'd worship other gods. And he said, all right, go back into tribulation. And this is what we do. Sometimes we worship God only when we need him. But look, she said, neighbor, look, she said, true worship. Somebody say, true worship is that the more he gives me, the more I serve. The more he gives me, the more I run to the altar. Come on, come on, shout hallelujah. Don't let anything that God gives you ever take you from God. A marriage is beautiful, but marriage can't get in between you and God. Children are wonderful, but children can't get between you and God. Education is great, but you can't let your education get between you and God. Anything good can become an idol if you put it in front of God. And this is the problem we have in the Western church and probably around the world. We've got to learn to return. Say whole. Walking in peace. But the word is the only sword or the weapon of offensive attack. You want to take ground, put God's word in your mouth. You want to move in authority, put God's word in your mouth. Somebody say, I will speak the word of God and frame my world. Look at Hebrews 12 verse 2. Here's what it says. Looking unto Jesus. Ask your neighbor, say, are your eyes on Jesus? Now this is hard. I have five kids. Somebody say, help them, Lord. I'm not done yet, praise God. I'm just trying to convince my wife. No, well, in God's timing. But I've got five children. And we've started businesses and tax companies and now we're starting a transportation company and we've got good news that property has now come in. Acres are being transferred to us and we've got local churches and, and we've got international churches. We've got so many things happening in our lives, but I've got to learn to keep my eyes on Jesus. I know you're busy, but the thing that God gave you loses, loses grace when you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put your eyes on it. See, God has given some of you favor. Say favor. God has given some of us favor in business and, and favor in family. And, and there's nothing wrong with giving attention to those things. But your main focus has to be on Jesus. 
I got one hand over there. I said, your main, you can't give God leftovers. He is first and second to none. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will fall. I know we're parents. I know we've got jobs. I know we've got lives. But it is impossible for us to see what we do be blessed if we don't put God first. I got a couple of hallelujahs. Luke's neighbor say, put your eyes on Jesus. Come on, tell him, say, put your eyes on Jesus. As long as Peter has his eye on Jesus, he could walk on the water. But when Peter put his eyes off of Jesus and put it on the storm, he began to sink like a bag of rocks. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Somebody say the author. If you're supposed to write a book, I need you to wave your hand at me. I, I feel a strong book writer's anointing. Just wave it. Don't, I'm not trying to get anything. Just wave your hand. Somebody say, I will author that book and change the world. I will write the script. I will, I will create the curriculum. I see writers, say amen. Say amen. I see bloggers. I see bloggers, a blog. I see content God given you, but how many know God is an author? And you're God's book. You're God's story. Sometimes the story is in a bad chapter, but if you keep moving forward, he promises to turn what the devil meant for evil for good. Somebody say, he's a finisher. Here is the challenge that we get stuck in the middle of the process. And our faith gets tired because we don't look to the end of our faith. He says, he's a finisher. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a finisher. I need you to, you can push him, don't hurt him, but push him a little bit and say, in the name of Jesus, he didn't bring you this far to leave you by yourself. Come on, push him a little bit. He ain't gonna leave you half done. He didn't bring you out of Egypt to leave you in the wilderness. He's gonna bring you to the land of promise. The same God that did it then is gonna do it now. And he's gonna turn all the mess, all of the drama, all of the problems for your good, all the headaches, all the trial. You came out of Egypt and you're on your way to the promise, but don't you worry about it. God is gonna finish this thing. Somebody say he's a finisher. The word finish is perfecter. He's a completer. He's perfecting faith. God needs perfect faith. He doesn't need a lot of it, but he needs complete faith. You read the story of Peter. At one time, Peter had no faith. Jesus was in the boat, in the back of the boat asleep, pastor. The Bible says that the rain began to flood, fill the boat. And the wind began to push the boat over. And these sailors who grew up on the water, they knew the water. The Bible says they became so fearful that they turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to perish? I don't know if you ever felt, I felt like that. Don't, Lord, don't you care? Look, shapes and neighbor, what are you afraid of? Jesus is in the boat. But I, I see, I'd like to look back and see my Jesus, you know, putting oil everywhere, you know. I like to see him speaking in tongues. I like to see him on his knees praying that I know I was okay. Jesus is not in the back of the boat fighting. He's sleeping. Look, shepherd, say he's asleep because he already has the victory. You're worried about the bill. You're worried about, about, about how to fix this and how to turn it. You're worried about how it's going to turn out. And God is already at the end with your solution waiting for you to take the pillow and pull up next to him and take a sleep. Take a rest. If he's sleeping, let me give you a clue. You should be sleeping. 
If he's prophesying, you prophesy. You do what he does and you'll see his results. He's not only sleeping, pastor, he's sleeping on a pillow. Probably an orthopedic pillow. He's sleeping good. And I want Jesus to, 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 to look like he's concerned, but he's actually looking like it's not even uh, on his radar. And the Bible says he wakes up and he goes to the end of the boat. And the Bible says he speaks peace to the, he speaks, uh, pe he rebukes the wind. Then he speaks peace to the waves. Repeat after me. Say, I must deal with the wind before I deal with the waves. He rebukes the wind, spiritual. Then he deals with the waves, natural. We are dealing with the natural before we deal with the spiritual. And that's why you're tired. Because we're trying to fix it and it's not a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. We're using all of our resources, all of our gifts, and all of our talents, and we're tired, and it's getting worse. The Bible says the woman with the issue of blood spent all of her living on doctors, nothing wrong with doctors, but they spent all of her living, and it didn't get better. It actually got worse, because the issue was spiritual. Say amen. He, he rebuked the wind. He spoke, peace be still, and the ocean did what? The ocean did what? The ocean went quiet. And he looked back and said, how is it that you have no faith? Faith is the substance of what you believe to be true that you walk out, that you operate in. Say, no faith. Peace in the back of the boat gives you authority in the front of the boat. When you move in peace, you move in royalty. He's called the prince of peace. How many know God's never stressed out? I'm going to wave your hand. I mean, sometimes we feel stress. We feel anxiety. We start to get gray hair. Help us. The wrinkles show up. Because we're worried. God never worries. Because he has all the answers. And he's asking you to join him. Because when you walk in peace, you move into royalty as a prince with God. And if you can rest in the back of the boat, you can speak to the ocean and it will obey you. Say amen. The second story you find, Peter, is in another storm. Jesus is on the water the Bible says he sees him and says if it's you bid me to come he steps out of the boat and he walks on the ocean look at your neighbor and say you're going to walk on the storm I need you to push him real good say you're going to walk on the waves the thing that's trying to rule you, you're going to rule. The thing that's trying to chase you, you're going to chase. I declare that sickness, you're not only going to be healed, you're going to get a healing anointing. I declare you're not only going to be delivered from the issue in your family, you're going to deliver families all around South Africa. There is an anointing coming. God doesn't want to bless you. He wants to make you a blessing. He doesn't want to deliver you. He wants to give you a deliverance anointing. There is a difference from receiving breakthrough and being anointing to release breakthrough. Are you listening? He says, if it's you, bid me to come. And when Jesus says come, the word stretches through the ocean. And now what is unsolid becomes solid. Now what shouldn't hold them can hold them. Now the molecules and the, and the, and the matter of water that was loose becomes firm. And now he's walking on a word. He's walking, his eyes are on Jesus. The Bible says he's walking and doing just like Jesus. You understand he commands you to do what he does in greater. I got Bible that tells me, John 14, 12, the thing that I do, Jesus said, you will do and greater. 
He that believes on me, the things that I do, you will do in greater. See, they marveled, Pastor, that Jesus could speak to the ocean. They said, what kind of man is this that even the winds and waves would obey? Repeat after me, say, waves have to obey you. Say, waves have to obey you. Wind has to obey you. God said, let man have dominion over the fish of the sea. The sea has to obey you. The birds of the air, the air has to obey you. The earth has to obey you. See, we're not used to that because we have a form and a function of fallen humanity. So we read about Jesus and say, wasn't that wonderful? And we don't expect us to see the dead raised. We don't expect our neighbors to be healed. We don't expect to see the, the, the power of God open the eyes of the blind. And because we don't expect it, we've not seen it. So the measure of man goes low. Somebody say potential. Say potential. Sports cars are fun. Say amen. Just be careful. All right. There are some sports cars like Lamborghini, like Ferrari, that can exceed 200 miles per hour. 250, 275. Some can get past 300 miles an hour. I know you do use kilometers, but it's fast. Say it's fast. And now in, 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 our, in America, we've got speed limits. Say speed limits. What's the speed limit here? What is it? Say 120. Say 120. Somebody say obey the speed limit, all right? I'm not, I'm not preaching lawlessness, all right? Now, the speed limit is a cap on the potential of your car. The potential of the car is 200, 300. This potential is what you were made to be. And there's a man-made cap on us. And Jesus said, the things I did, you were doing greater. He says, you shall be like me when you see me as I am. John 1 John chapter 4 verse 17 says, Herein is love made perfect that we may have boldness in a day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Because as he is, say he is, so are in this. The reason you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus is because you can do like Jesus. I got two amens. The reason you've got to keep looking at him is because you become like what you look at or worship. The power of worship is you become like what you worship. And the more you worship him, the more you become like him. And you begin to see him clearly and you become trans formed be not conformed be the word transformed is metamorpho it doesn't mean changed it means to go from ordinary to supernatural you go from Clark Kent to Superman from Peter Parker to Spider-Man it's not go from here to here you take a new super state and now as a king and a priest you speak life in the midst of darkness. See, the Bible, Pastor, is so powerful and rich, we're sometimes afraid to preach that we can actually move mountains with our words. We can say to the dead, raise, and they were raised. We can say to blinded eyes, open, they were open. You can cast out devils, you can heal the sick, freely receive, freely did. You can stomp on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the devil. That Peter, by his, by his shadow, the Bible says, people were healed. That Paul, by his handkerchief, were delivered. You say, that's only them. No, they've got the same Holy Ghost you have. The same spirit that rose up Jesus from the dead is living in you. What is the difference? They believe. They believe. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. 
Your story must be heard. You're a living epistle who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Somebody say endurance. Come on, somebody say I have endurance. That means staying power. Consistent. We're going to pray in a moment, but God wants the church to be able to endure. Jesus, you know, what we're celebrating on earth, pastor, heaven is not celebrated. We celebrate miracles. Blinded eyes, we put it on TV. There's nothing wrong with that. We celebrate ears opening up. We celebrate the acquisition of land and property. Say amen. It's not a bad thing, but that's what the earth celebrates. Heaven celebrates sacrifice. He is not known as the lamb that was risen. They call him the lamb that was slain. Heaven celebrates what you're trying to rush out of. Your trial and your process and what you can go through for Jesus is a badge of honor in the kingdom. Suffering unlocks glory. He's known as the lamb that was slain. They celebrate what he could go through. The measure of a man is not that people fall down when you lay hands on them. It's not that you can spit on their eyes and they open up. It's not that you can pray and demons flee. The Bible says there will be those on the last days that preach the name of Jesus, that they heal the sick, that they do mighty works, and he'll look at them and say, I never, I never knew you. What is the measure of a man or woman that a measure of a man can go through trials and still lift their hands? They can go through pain and warfare and lift their hands. See, Jesus' greatest test, it wasn't healing a blinded eye. Jesus' greatest test, it wasn't, it wasn't opening a tomb. Jesus' greatest test wasn't the storm. He was being willing to lay his life down. What can you endure? and still be a believer what can you go through and still lift your hands the power of Job was that Job could go through everything and not lose his faith and then after he had gone through God gave him double for my trouble say double he endured the cross despising the shame and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God I'm in Hebrews 12 too somebody say in the name of Jesus my shame will become honor I'm just about done. Your, your private pain, your private shame, your private war, your private attack will become the place of your honor. The scripture tells us, for your shame, I will release the double. For your confusion, you will rejoice in your inheritance and you will possess land. I said, I thought as a Christian, I would never have shame. I thought as a believer I would never have problems that I couldn't solve. But God allows you to go through situations. He didn't bring them, but he allows you to go through them because shame or humiliation births humility. Crushing produces the oil. It's the breaking, that it's the suffering that unlocks glory. Some may say in the name of Jesus, I'm gonna remain. God doesn't want fruit, he wants fruit that remains. He's looking for men and women of endurance and I think about this and how many remember in high school, did, did they have track here, track and field? Yeah, and how many in, 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 in PE, they would make you run? So I hated running, how many, how many like to run? Wave your hands. I got a couple special people, praise the Lord. Everyone else was on the side with a cramp and 
coughing up. <laughs> but the special people, they could run like a gazelle. Right? They had an ability to endure. They could run and have a wind. And they could remain consistent. And they could push through. I think of endurance is the ability to push through pain. The ability to praise through pain. The ability to serve through pain. The ability to keep lifting your hands and worshiping when you don't have the answers and don't have the... See, all the disciples were with him when he was raising the dead and healing the sick. But all of them left when he went to the cross. Everyone wants to win. How can loss be of God? How can pain be a part of my destiny? But understanding what you can go through is your badge of honor for the kingdom of God that you will have mountains and valleys you will have blessings and you will have attacks but how you handle your 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 development and your battles determines how you handle your mountains say amen somebody say i will endure he despised the shame shame drives you from god has now sat down on the right hand of the throne repeat after me say the shame the war the battle releases a throne what is a throne it's a seat of authority it's a place of dominion now you went through this thing and what you went through you have dominion over god doesn't take you out of valleys he leads you through valleys i said god doesn't take you out of valley you pray all you want god take me out he doesn't take you out actually the more you pray that the longer the valley goes you say lord finish in me what the valley is working on don't change the situation change this change this change my attitude let me see the way you see let me understand that though I may be in the valley you're walking me through the valley of the shadow of death it's not death it's just the valley but after I walk through the valley I'm gonna come back and lead people out of the valley I'm leading my brothers I'm leading my sisters I'm leading my nephews my nieces my uncles my aunts my cousins I'm also gonna leave my enemies my people that don't even like me are gonna be blessed by me the very people that attacked you you're gonna bless her. The Bible says Joseph rose up and the people that hated him he turned around and blessed them. That's how it works. The shame becomes a throne. Verse 3 says consider him that endured. Say endure. Say endure. To remain. It's the word hupomeneo. To remain. To endure. To be steadfast. You know what the kingdom needs? Men and women that are steadfast, faithful men. Men and women that will stand behind your leaders. Men and women that can be trusted and counted upon. We're in a generation where you can't count on a lot of things. You can't count on a lot of people. He said there's two kinds of churches. One that is built on sand and one that is built on rock. The church that is built on rock is unmovable. It's stable. The wind blows. The storms come. The rain falls. And the Bible says, Pastor, that it beats upon the house. It strikes the house. But the house could not fall because it was built on the rock. Some say, I'm built on the rock. I'm built on the rock. Uh, the devil can huff, he can puff, but he cannot blow your house down because you're built on the rock. Tribulations can come, famine can come, trials can come, but I'm built on the rock. I'm built on Christ. I go through trials, but I'm built on a firm foundation. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. The other house 
that is built quickly, built for comfort, built for speed. They rush through the process. See, for us in our day and age to lay concrete, it is a process. But for them, they had to chisel rock. Understand that process? The tools they had in that day, they didn't just go and order a mixer and lay foundation. They had to beat rock. They had to strike rock to build something firm. And it took year after year. See, Jesus took 30 years for three years. Some of you are mad at God because you've been waiting five years. Some of you want to turn in your membership because you've been warned for seven years. Jesus developed for 30 years, for three years of ministry. 10 to 1. Jesus at 12 years old tried to run away from home. Look at Shabbos and say, you're not the only runaway. Tell him. He said, I don't want this. At 12, the Bible says he ran to the temple. Say, at least he ran to the temple. We run away from the temple. And the Bible says he stood in the temple for three days teaching and asking questions at 12. And the Bible says his mother and his father or stepfather Joseph found him after three days answering questions. He was a prodigy, had wisdom, but he wasn't ready. See, at 12, he was preparing to be bar mitzvah at 13. He was preparing to take on the trait of his father, his earthly father. What did his earthly father do? What did he do? Carpenter. Jesus didn't want cabinets. Jesus wanted the pulpit. So he runs away to the house of God. And his mother after three days says, how could you have done this to me and your father? I'm in Luke 2 now. And Jesus says, that's not my father. He's in identity crisis. He says, I must be about my father. I want to preach. You're not ready, Jesus. You need to go back for 18 more years and submit yourself and wait and process and develop. Jesus, he didn't sin. He didn't sin. I'm just reading the Bible to you. He wanted to preach before his time because we don't understand, Pastor, that the menial thing is the key to the great thing. We don't understand that the little thing is the key to the mighty thing. We don't understand that in order for you to be one who builds the tabernacle of God, Paul, you're going to have to build tents. In order for you to be a fisher of men, Peter, you're going to have to fish. In order for you to be a shepherd, David, over the flock of Israel, you're going to have to shepherd sheep. Moses, you want to rule and lead the people of God for 40 years, you're going to have to learn to gird the sheep of Jethro. To Egyptian sheep were the vilest thing. So what he never would do, he said, you have to do. Because your destiny is tied to your future. Somebody say, in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to hate my cabinets. Because one day, that cross is made of wood. you got to get familiar with where you are. You understand the key to the mighty is the little. The key to preaching and teaching and going around the world. And your business is serving in little things. Honoring the vision of your pastors. Coming early, leaving late making a decision I want to serve God so the Bible says Luke 2 Jesus went back down with Mary and became subject Jesus yes Jesus Jesus submitted himself and the Bible says then he grew in wisdom in stature in favor 
with God and with man. I said, wait a minute, how come Jesus had to grow in favor? God, wasn't he the son of God? Yes, but he could not have more privileges than you have. So he had to grow in favor by his obedience like you have to grow. If he's telling me to do what he did in greater, and if he had a leg up that I didn't have, he couldn't tell me to do what he did. So he said, I did what I did in my humanity, not in my divinity. Everything you see, it was God. No, 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 no. He didn't operate in his earthly ministry as God. He operated as man. The son of man must be crucified. The son of man must go. He did it as a man. Because how could he tell you to do what he did if he did it as God? Well, he spoke to the ocean. No, who has power of ocean? Man. Let man have dominion over the fish of the... You're listening to me. Well, he healed the sick. Infirmity is a spirit. It's not just a condition. See, we, we treat what Jesus would cast out. He called them spirits of infirmity. You listening? And he drove them out with the finger of... He operated the way you can operate. So yes, he was God. Say amen. Say amen. But he did what he did as a man. That you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. That you may know the Son of Man must be crucified and go before men. That you may know, I did it as a man so you could do what he did and greater. You listening? How could he tell me to do what he did if he did it as God? It wouldn't be fair. God developed him and for 18 years he sat. 18 years he waited. I think of Jesus at year 29. How long I have to wait? He didn't know the seasons or the times which was committed to the Father, so he had to wait like you gotta wait. Feeling anointed, feeling powerful. Wait, serve, submit. And at 30 years old, God sends a witness and Jesus submits to John, even though John is not worthy to tie his shoes. Even though that priesthood is about to pass away, but he has to submit to it anyway. So Jesus lets John baptize him. John says, I can't baptize you. I don't have the rank. He said, you're not going to baptize me. Elijah's going to baptize me. Because John operated in the spirit of Elijah. And even Jesus couldn't see an open heaven until the old and the new came together. You cannot see what you will do without that which went before you. Even Jesus had to allow the old. So John was dressed in camel skin. I'm out of time. He was dressed in eating locusts and wild honey. He never stepped in a synagogue. He was overtly free. Say amen. Jesus looked like a Jew. He wore the rabbi's clothes. He was free inside, but he had to blend in to deliver them from the inside out. You're listening. There are different functions. And the Bible says John baptizes him after 30 years of development. A fully mature word goes into the water. It grew and it came out as a seed. And then the Holy Spirit, as you heard, when that word goes in the water, the heavens rend, the Spirit comes down. And when the Spirit and the water and the Spirit and the word meet, when the word and the Spirit meet, you get a declaration. There are two things that are needed to speak a word, the breath and the thought. If you open your mouth and make a sound without a thought, it's noise. If you hold your breath, try and speak, you can't speak.
So there are two things needed to release a word. The breath, the spirit, and the word. The spirit is the force. We are the word that must grow into the image and be formed to function. He's got to form you and develop you and grow you and mature you. And, and, and between formation is something called the cocoon. See, metamorpho, say metamorpho. Say metamorpho. Means metamorphosis. And one thing we know in creation that metamorphose is a caterpillar. The caterpillar is the worm. Look at Shame and say, don't be a worm. The time said, don't be wormy. Tell him, don't be wormy. Caterpillars only do one thing. Eat, 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 eat. And after they're done eating, eat, 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 eat. Then they're done eating, eat, 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 eat. Then after they had done eating, eat. Caterpillars are focused on themselves and no one else. They are consumers and the caterpillar destroys the harvest. They destroy it because they're focused on me and my and not the community. This is the caterpillar. And the Bible says hell is a place where the worm doesn't die. You're listening to me. Us in our first state. But in order to become a butterfly, the caterpillar must go through the cocoon. The cocoon feels like a tomb. It's not. The cocoon is a place where God puts you under pressure. Where he puts you in tight places. Where he tests what's inside of you. The cocoon feels like a tomb, but it's not. See, buried and planted look the same. Say buried, planted, looks the same. But when you bury something, you leave it for dead. When you plant it, you expect it to come back with more than you put in. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not buried. I'm planted. I'm coming back stronger. I'm coming back more anointed. I'm coming back with more wealth. I'm coming back smarter. I'm coming back with more grace. And I'm going to change the people. See, this is what the Lord said to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, the devil wants you to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail you. That after you've been converted, you will strengthen the people around you. The conversion is transformation. The worst thing you can do to a caterpillar is try and help it out of its cocoon. It is the pressure that builds the wings. It is the pressure that builds the new system. It is the, the pressure and the fight that builds power. And the more the devil resists you, the stronger you get. I got one amen in the back. I said, the more the devil fights you, the strong. You didn't know how strong you were till you went through what you went through. And you went through something this year that may have killed you 10 years ago. But you're stronger than you think. You're more anointed than you think. You've got more power in you. And God says, uh, you're resisting the devil and he's going to flee. This is called resistance training. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Resistance produces power. You go to the gym, if you're going to build muscle, you got to go through resistance. So he is forming us for function. And the caterpillar must become the what? Say the butterfly. Lift your hand and say, I am a butterfly. One more time, we'll say, I am a butterfly. Come on, man, you're getting quiet. Say, I'm a butterfly. Butterflies pollinate butterflies are life givers they help create oxygen butterflies are not takers 
Butterflies give life everywhere they go. Jesus was a life giver everywhere he went. Butterflies can ascend to high places that caterpillars can't go. Say, help me, Lord. Consider him who endured the contradiction of sinners against himself. Jesus endured the opposite. We're going to pray. And this is a challenge, Pastor. When God tells you what you're going to see and the opposite happens. When God tells you you're going to be a mighty man of God and, and you're going to preach around the world and you're going to be used for great things that you're going to have a healing ministry and then sickness hits your home. God tells you you're going to have a marriage ministry and then you're sleeping on the couch for a month. Help us, Lord. God says you're going to bless the nations financially and you lose your job. You can't pay your bills. This is something called contradiction. Contradiction is the opposite thing to build the word out of you. Say, Jesus is the resurrection. How does resurrection die? It's not possible. Resurrection can't die unless he let himself die. No one, let, no one took my life. I've got the key to life eternal. That every time I breathe, when I breathe in, I get the pure life that Adam had in the garden. How many know you were never meant to die? Say amen. Lift your hand and say, I was meant to live forever. Say amen. Say, I was meant to live. That's your mind. That's why your mind is, is young and your body gets old. Say, help us, Lord. Because man was never meant to die. They were meant to live forever and ever and ever and ever. And so the spirit that Adam in the garden breathed was the spirit of pure life, pure zoe. It's the tree of life that he kept learning and growing so he lived immortally. And the further man got from God, and the further man turned from God, their lifespan shortened. Listen. So Jesus had the spirit without measure. So he couldn't die unless he let himself. The nails didn't kill him. The lashes didn't kill him. The piercing didn't kill him. The crushing didn't kill him. He had to submit to the contradiction. You cannot be resurrection unless you're willing to die. You cannot, you cannot operate in wealth unless you're willing to sacrifice wealth. You cannot operate in authority unless you're willing to submit. This is the kingdom. It's a backwards kingdom, pastor. You want to be great? Who's the greatest? The servants. You want to increase? How do you increase? You decrease. You want to gain your life? You got to what? You want to reap? This is the law. And we get mad. What's wrong with you, God? I'm doing all this. This is the law of contradiction. As we pray in a moment, we close this so we can land the plane. Say amen. I feel chicken. I feel somebody wants to eat their chicken. Somebody's hungry. You're looking at me with chicken in your eyes. All right. The last part says, consider him that endured the contradiction against himself. The purity of Jesus had to taste the cup of all sin. He never knew sin. He never knew shame. See, the power of sin is shame. It's not the sin, the behavior, it's what it does to your conscience. Because the, the wicked or those that move outside of the nature of God flee when no one chases them. 
but the righteous are bold as a lion. This is how you know who's walking in what boldness is a sign of righteousness. Not always, but most of the time, boldness in God is a sign that a man is right with God. A woman is right with God. But the Bible says the wicked flee when no one is chasing them. It says the, the leaf falls and they run away because they're living in fear. Because their conscience is seared and they now can't access God anymore. Because shame and guilt. But the Bible says the blood of Jesus washes you so you can come boldly into the presence of God and then be changed. We want to get better and then seek God. God says, no, 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 you'll never get better. Seek me now and I'll make you better. Seek me just how you are and I'll bring you into my throne and I'll give you authority. Here's what it says, our last part. Consider him who endured contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. Are you telling me the only place the devil's not defeated is in my mind? Yes. When Jesus rose on the third day, he said, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. I'm in Matthew 28 now. Say, all power in heaven and earth is in the hand of Jesus. If you believe that, shout amen, shout amen. All power, all power, all. He says in Revelation 1, 18, I even have the keys of hell and the grave. So Jesus has power over heaven, power over earth, and power over hell. The demons know it. The angels know it. The earth knows it, heaven knows it, hell knows it, and the only people who don't know it we get weary in our mind. We get tired inside. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I'm going to pray for some of you. We're all going through a journey. We're all experiencing some kind of contradiction, opposite things that we're facing. Let me tell you, one of the hardest things in the world is to preach about a healer and someone sick in your family. One of the hardest things is to tell people about the goodness of Jesus and God's provision and you're struggling in your finances. It's very hard to testify of God's delivering power when your family's bound and so what the devil wants to do is get us to either close our mouth or speak words of complaint because the power of life and death is in your tongue but I want to tell you the redeemed of the Lord have an obligation and the true worshiper doesn't worship because of what it looks like doesn't worship because of what they feel they worship because the Lord is good I said they worship because the Lord is good. That no matter what I feel like, the Lord is good. No matter what my bank account, the Lord is good. Now, God is not subject to my situation. I'm going to say that again. God is not subject to my situation. No matter what I'm going through, he's good. Say amen. No matter what I'm looking at, he's good. Say amen. No matter what I'm facing, he's good. Problems, sickness, disease, opportunity, uh, it's all. But hear me by the Spirit. Whatever you're going through is just a setup. 
the weapon that formed will not prosper the enemy's trying to tell you it's never going to change but that devil is a liar what God is going to do he's going to turn what the devil meant for evil for good and the sickness one in one moment will turn into a healing anointing and that the bondage will turn into a deliverance ministry and that the lack will turn into a financial anointing lift your hands lift your hands I receive grace grace to endure eyes are closed be church is being formed for a function and the Lord says you've not seen what I'm about to do in the land before I'm taking you away I've never taken anyone before lift your hands and he says to you my children remember the former things no more for behold I do a new thing thank you for listening to this week's podcast if you would like to know more about who we are and what we do go visit our website at bchurch.co.za. We're formed to function. Let's be church.